0: So I started looking for work, and back then, because I'm so old, Jared. Yeah. See, uh, how old are you, Jared? I got to ask. <laughs> we used to look for a job in the newspaper, right? I mean, I would literally get out the oh, newspaper. Oh my word!
1: Newspaper. I'm 28, so I can say that you guys are old.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we're back. Hey,
3: Hunter Podcast Episode 64, as Colty keeps us in line.
1: Thank you, Colty. Yes. It's good to be here, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, March 1st today. Oh, yeah. Um, we're about, out of February. I forgot about that. We're out of hey, February. One down,
3: one to go. Yeah. Crazy, man. Um, it's funny. We Like, I just was coming in. Obviously, we're getting in the office later today. But, uh, like, it feels nice outside. It's windy. The, the thing is, anytime in February or March, you get, like, a 50-plus degree day, it's, like, guaranteed windy. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I didn't even bring a hoodie today. I had a t-shirt all the way from the house to here.
3: I was sporting the, the shed season. Shed season? Yeah,
1: we're going to have Dwayne on here in a couple weeks. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was really nice. I did
3: walk on Sunday with Harlan for, I don't know, a mile and a half, and then he was tired, but mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't find anything. No. Where'd you go? Scott's up in the mountain. Oh, yeah. Yep, just walked in some areas. I had seen some, uh, I've got some shed bucks on camera, um, but we just mainly walked around some of the food plots and stuff. Man, they're just destroyed. There's, like,
1: nothing left in my food plots.
3: Yeah. like baby clovers like trying to make it and like as soon as
1: it like pops up i think a deer eats it yeah that's a tough property to Find sheds on though it's just <clears throat> very yeah. limited food and you yep. know not, not a lot of it they're probably just covering ground
3: yeah i i'm encouraged so i may go to the ohio farm this weekend but next weekend i'm for sure going to be in kentucky and all i've got like i had a bastard group of seven bucks all shed out come through the other day and so i've got some pretty good areas to check on that property but hopefully you know. we're,
1: hopefully we're done with snow
3: yeah, I don't know. I mean, it looks like we've got a good trend here of at least 40s and 50s. We've got a couple, like, high 60s in the forecast, too. We were talking about um, making our management kind of tasks. Like, I've got, okay, here's what I need to do in March. I got a cut in Pennsylvania because I got trees coming in April. I've also got them clearing out some stuff behind the house here in the next two weeks. And it's like, look how, before we know it, I'm going to be
1: spraying for beans, you know? And it's, like, that fast. Uh, you got time. <laughs> You say that, <laughs> you say that now, but well, I, yeah, think I mean, it's, start, yeah, it's definitely started thinking about it, but uh, you yeah, ain't spraying for beans for a couple months here. Yeah, no, 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 but it's just, that's how fast I feel like it comes on. So I think it'll be good. I don't, I don't think I'm- Dude, I've always felt I've always that way, it kind of sidebar here. I've always felt that way about like Sturgis' management plans, which obviously I respect, yeah. I think they're superior to mine, but like, who has time to spray that much? I don't know, man. guys spraying like, every food plot three times a year. Yeah, I was just trying to think. I could barely make it out there once. <laughs> I was just trying to think, like, if I was going to, you asked
3: me if I was going to plant anything in that freshly cleared area, and if I can get it, you know, into a tillable format, then, yeah, I'll probably put rye or clover or something just to keep from erosion and then be able to diss that in later. But I don't think I'm going to plant clover on any of the other plots. I think I'm going to try beans in some areas and then um, just go heavy
1: fall food plot or
3: whatever we might do yeah i haven't
1: rounded the corner yet at some point i'll i'm like in a heavy i love this time though (laughs) like
3: even if it's 40s it doesn't matter this time of year this is like for the next three weeks in in our area if you're in the south it's less than that if you're in the midwest about the same it's like the bare bones of the woods and there's like to me this is the best time to go out stretch the legs get get out of the cabin fever um and just like really go out and see kind of what the woods look like find the sign maybe find a shed um penetrate those those bedding areas and just don't give two shits about it Mm -hmm. um and then reel her back in because it's going to get green up by first week of april
1: yep so them brush busters on there yeah man
3: so yeah, I'm excited about that. So we'll see. That's that's kind of the big thing. But um, so it's a Tuesday today. Typically we're filming podcasts on um, Thursdays, but we had to reschedule this guest from two weeks ago. I something, think something like that. Yeah. Um, because he got the COVID. Um, but he's back. Uh, Jeremy Eldridge. Um, who from Hoyt. Uh, and Jeremy is in charge of the marketing at Hoyt. Um, been there for a long time. Uh, you you kind of hear this around the industry is like. Uh, there's we talked about Alex Gellstrom from Whitetail saying it but like how many people say yeah, there's not a better guy than than Jeremy Eldridge yeah and it's a cool thing because like he's in a very very important role if you look at like what Hoyt has done here over the last you know decade at least um you know and who they have partnered with like the Cam Haynes obviously Rogan Bill Winky like they just hit the mark bone collector just mm-hmm. hit the mark on some of the right guys and the right audiences and I think have taken a really different approach than the Matthews of the world. Sure. Um so yeah, it will be cool to kind of get into that side of it. And Jeremy's a Western guy, which is obviously always intriguing. To yeah, Hoyt's from
1: Salt Lake City. Yep. <clears throat> Utah.
3: Yep. So always intriguing to kind of hear the Western guy. We were shooting some Dakota stories there just before we jumped on here. But yeah, uh you know, Hoyt was a partner, one of the first partners that we got on board at Hunter last year um and so we were kind of just thanking jeremy for it and that like you know they took a risk on us of like all right these guys are gonna make a podcast like hopefully it's not in their mom's basement yeah Um, it's in jeremy's (laughs) it's it's in my basement (laughs) essentially (laughs) yeah pretty much we have no windows here Uh um so yeah it's not in my mom's basement um but no they they supported us and and uh obviously but well, we're Hoyt, we're Hoy guys. Like it's that is our through type and of. through, man. That's our type of brand. It's our type of of bow. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, just you know, it's built for guys like us. I feel like.
2: Yeah.
1: And hopefully, a lot of the people. Yeah, well, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's not. I have nothing against Matthew. I think Matthew. No. I, I, sh- I shot Matthews for I a long I, time. Man. I shot that. Dr- a lot of adrenaline for years and years. Yep. And uh, I just you know. <laughs> they're they're just, you know, there's a mainstream always, like there's going to be something that becomes mainstream. And like Matthews to me, like it's has, has done that. You know I mean? They're, you know, their marketing has been super effective and it's, you know, they've taken a certain brand voice and stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's cool to be like a Matthews guy, but like, I've always wanted to be against against the grain like it's just in my nature sure. to like see that mainstream and just stay away from it mm. you know just to, to make our own path and uh, so i i really i dig that about hoyt
3: and and i know and i think matthews does now too but like hoyt has always been kind of on the upper end of the the limb weights and things like that. Oh, yeah. They make badass Which bows. Somebody made a comment about like the eighty pound meat head or something on YouTube. We, we, oh, we I didn't do, see that one. We were doing our like uh our challenge or our talk with Troy and those guys, Troy and Daryl. Yeah. It was cool. It was like I was like the average dude pulling whatever 65 so cent. <laughs> it. it was like the meathead pulling eighty. Then it was like the physicist and like the blood enthusiast or something in That's Troy. Funny. It was freaking great. So. I'll own it. Anyways, if you haven't, you should check out that podcast, not just as a drop to us, but um, that thing is picking up a lot of momentum. mm. And I think it's because people appreciated the view that we brought to the table, which is cool. We get why you're shooting heavy arrows, but I also am killing whitetails and I want to find blood.
1: Yeah. The question you got to ask yourself is, is there too, is there such a thing as too much penetration? We believe the answer is yes. The remedy is a big cutting surface mechanical broadhead. Yeah. And that's it. E equals mc mm-hmm. squared.
3: I was gonna make a penetration joke. Okay, I see. <laughs> I saved you from that. It, yeah, <laughs> okay. so you kept going. Well, dude, first, yeah, for
1: sake of time, let's get Jeremy in.
3: Yeah, right? let's bring him in. Back to work. There he is. Hey guys.
1: Hey man, how are you? Back Good. to work. Back to work. Using every five minutes you get, huh? That's
0: right, man. Well, it's <laughs> so, are
3: you are you Pacific or Mountain time? Mountain time. Okay, so you're just a, a couple hours behind us. i was gonna say it's still yeah. early in the day there. Uh, yeah. So
0: finished yeah, lunch. So
3: there you go. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Jared and I kind of just got through our own like pat each other on the backs of like how like we were so excited last year to actually have a partnership with Hoyt because it's it's just the right brand for the style that we we look for. And that's no knock to the other brands out there, but you know, I think you guys have just really embraced, you know, it, it I said for the last decade it's longer than that, but if you look at some of the people that you have even, um, you know, partnered with on a on a flagship style, you know, they are the people that we relate to the most, whether it's Cam Haynes, Bill Winky, Waddell and the Bone Collector Group. Like, it's just yeah. the right guys. And that's not saying that other people don't have good partnerships from a bow manufacturing standpoint, but it seems like you guys just find a way to find the people that are the most relatable is the way that I look at it.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I think styles and personalities and, I don't know, they kind of just tend to line up sometimes, so.
3: Yeah. Well, and I th- I think that from, from my end, and, and obviously, like, you guys are a Western-based company, but at least for me being, you know, born and raised East Coast whitetail guy, I felt like Hoyt really embraced that lifestyle. Um, and, again, no knock to the other brands, but there's a lot of brands that really seem to be just, like, if you're not the guy who's you know hiking up a mountain in colorado or montana or whatever like you're not our guy if that makes sense
0: yeah no it makes sense and we obviously we realize we're in the west so naturally you know we tend to think maybe more like a western hunter because it's what we what we get to do on the weekend right when we got a a couple days to hunt it's out here in the west um but i mean we love white tail hunting like love it you know a lot of our engineers we have two engineers from kentucky we have an engineer from pennsylvania so a lot of our key employees you know were born and raised in white tail country anyway mm-hmm. um and then we completely understand where the market is you know what i mean like we're we, we know we're probably selling 80 percent of our bows to white hunters even though we're way dominant in the west we get it man you guys you get a hunt you can kill three deer a day and <laughs> we're lucky if you kill a deer in every three years you know yeah. so um it's just we we completely get it and and we love like i said i love hunting whitetails one of my favorite hunts every year is a diy hunt in south dakota where me and some buddies we just we all one comes from illinois two guys from michigan me from utah and we just we meet in south dakota um we bring all our own tree stands we get to hang them where we want we get to move them if we want to it's just a do-it-yourself hunt And it's my favorite hunt of the year like i i love it and i'll i'll never miss it you know i'll never i'll never miss that hunt it's it's gonna be on my schedule every single year so um you know but not to say i don't love elk hunting that's (laughs) That's my passion too yeah yeah
1: well well, jeremy one of the things that i've actually heard from like some mutual friends and just in passing is that if there's one thing that like they know about jeremy eldridge it's that like when you get time to 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 be in the woods and, and to do what you love like you're not reachable <laughs> you know what i mean like you're you're doing it and i, I really admire that i think yeah. that jeremy and i are both guilty of like you know keeping our phones on uh you know in it's reach or whatever it's hard to, to yeah. disconnect but i think that it's so valuable <laughs> that you know that yeah. you're that you prioritize that and, and
0: yeah you know i mean i know it's a, probably a pain especially you know when you're in a I don't know a lot of people trying to get a hold of me and if i'm gone hunting man i'm i'm gone hunting and i'm sorry i'll get back to you later but I love nothing more than not having service. Yeah, and it's hard to find a spot today where you don't have <laughs> service. But, but I run, but that spot in South Dakota, I don't have service. <laughs> I have to drive about 10, 15 minutes down the highway to get, get some bars, you know, and, and then obviously when you're out coming, you get in a lot of spots. where you don't have sure. service. But, um, it's just, you're, you're just always connected always everywhere. I you know. go home from work, and your phone is someone's texting you or you're getting emails you know on the weekends i mean you're just it's just the, the the age we live in you're always connected and so man i i just have to have that yeah <laughs> I, got, I guess i have, some, to have that time where i can just no one can get hold of me and i'm fine with it for a few days
1: i've got some some valuable uh advice i mean you guys are both a lot older than me so don't,
0: don't, if i'm out, if i'm a line, lot older than you gee oh, yeah. you see if, how he
1: goes at that right out of the gate he's like you're 10 years older than me mine yeah so <laughs> So, anyway, well, here if I'm out of line, just just check me. But I want to tell you something that that worked for me is like, dude, do you have your phone on vibrate or, or some kind of a ringtone?
0: Just vibrate. It yeah. vibrates
1: every time you get a text or an email or something like that.
0: Not an email. To yeah, mine
1: mine is phone calls and texts yeah. will vibrate. Yeah. Yeah. No email. No, I dude,
3: I'd lose I'd lose my mind if mine <laughs> vibrated every well, time dude, I got an email. Listen,
1: over over time, just you know just like you know i use my my cell phone for mm-hmm. for work and all that and like dude i was getting so many notifications that it was like vibrate vibrate vibrate. i was getting like a nervous tick like i literally mm-hmm. like i would think i would get a, <laughs> my, my phone wouldn't even be my pocket and i would think it was i was like did my phone yeah. go off and i had a, a good friend of mine give me some great advice this is the advice i'm passing on is mm-hmm. dude at some point i just had to like go cold turkey and i shut off all the notifications on my my phone in terms of feel Vibration. or sound so yeah. like they're still coming in and if i check it if i look at it i can see them all and if i get a phone call it obviously mm-hmm. makes makes a noise but like dude that was one of the most valuable things that i ever did it's it's to the point now where i can literally control when yeah. i'm looking at my phone and not somebody wants to get a hold of me somebody mm-hmm. wants to go hold of me i'm constantly getting pulled took to my phone and I don't mind
3: it in like the work day like if I have it on my like if I'm working it's a good way to catch my attention like if somebody's calling or text message or whatever that that needs addressed but yeah the it it is a it's a weird thing because you know the society as a whole has become so connected to that thing that like there are people that have and I know I find myself even guilty like have anxiety attacks when like they can't find their phone like it's not on them or within arm's reach yeah you know, and it's yeah. it's a cool thing. Don't get me wrong because, like, I'll be in the deer stand in Kentucky and, like, I'm working today, guys. Like, here I am, you know, which is <laughs> awesome. But at the same time, like, you know, to the fact where, like, always needs to be within my arm's reach, yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah. So it sounds I like hear. I need
1: to go elk hunting with Jeremy and get lost and no service. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was just my, <laughs> my, my two cents there was, like, dude, I, yeah. you know, I was that way. I was constantly being – my phone my phone my phone yeah. and like i i still check it but it's on my terms now so, anyways yeah
0: <laughs> well and when i'm hunting i usually take it's like a, it's vacation like i have to turn in vacation sure. time. it's not like i'm everyone thinks because i work at hoyt i you know I get a, <laughs> part of my job is like no not really you don't hunting so if i'm on vacation I'm, I have no problem turning my phone off. Man, you
3: know? I'd be like product testing November 1st to the 14th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah These are work days. I've,
0: I've tried, tried working that in.
3: Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, Jeremy, are you originally from Utah then?
0: Yeah, yeah born and raised here in Utah.
3: Very cool. In the Salt Lake area or?
0: Yeah, up yep, here in the in the Salt Lake Valley.
3: Damn, yeah. that's awesome, man. Yep. How, how cool is that to like, there it is. Is Has Hoyt always been in Salt Lake area or is that like?
0: So Hoyt originally started in St. Louis, Missouri huh. in, uh, in 1931. I mean, long time, 90 wow. years, 91 years ago, um, started in St. Louis, Missouri by Earl Hoyt. And then in the eighties, uh, the Easton family mm-hmm. bought Hoyt and kind of slowly first, they moved the sales and marketing to Salt Lake because they already had a corporate office here and then they moved the manufacturing in the early nineties. So over a period of time, they moved Hoyt from St. Louis to, uh, to Utah. And now there's a runway at St. Louis airport where the original Hoyt factory was. So <laughs> wow, there, but, um, so it's been in the Hoyt's been in salt lake since, you know, the eighties, early eighties and nineties, depending on what part of the, um, company you're talking about. Very so cool, man. originally yep. we were in like a little, a little room in the Easton factory <laughs> and, you know, we could keep up there and build bows there. <clears throat> but as we grew and expanded, we finally got our own place. And that was, you know, sometime in the '90s. Got our own building, and and so we operate completely independent and separately from Easton, mm-hmm. even though we're both owned by the Easton family. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Easton, you know, Jim Easton originally, mm-hmm. and Greg Easton now owns both companies, but we uh, have separate management, separate presidents, separate buildings and locations, and separate budgets. You know, we're two totally different, totally separate companies. Mm-hmm. So,
1: how long have you been with Hoyt, Jeremy?
0: man i started here 18 almost 18 years ago wow (laughs) yeah it's funny i um so before i worked here i was i was just you know i I was one of those hoyt guys like i had a hoyt hunting bow and a hoyt target bow and every october i knew they were about ready to come out with new bows and i'd go down to the dealer like all the time like did you get new bows yet did you get new bows did you get a new catalog (laughs) and i just wanted to see what hoyt was coming out with next you know and how that time of year is and it still is every year boat companies come out with new bows and we all want to see what they are and um so i the job i had at the time was moving to albuquerque new mexico and i had a young family and all my family's here and i didn't really want to move to albuquerque and plus i was kind of looking to get out of that job and so um so i started looking for work and back then because i'm so old jared yeah see um, how old are you jared i gotta (laughs) ask It, we used to look for a job in a newspaper, right? I mean, I would literally get out the newspaper. Oh, my word.
1: newspaper. I'm 28, so I can say that you guys are old.
0: <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm looking through the newspaper, and there's a job for Hoyt. And I was like, no way. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was in a field I was it was working in at the time, which was supply chain. Cool. And so, it's funny. I did not even trust the mailman to, like, deliver my resume. I, I drove down here to Hoyt. I walked in the front door. And I turned it in at the front desk and <laughs> and because uh, I didn't want to take any chances. Like, this is my dream job. Are you kidding me? Like, awesome. not trusting the post office with this. And um, I was on a, I was on a family trip about a week later. We were in San Diego and my, my phone rang and it was, a, it was Hoyt's number. I'm like, Oh no. So I, I answered it. And, and they were wondering if I could come in for an interview tomorrow, the next day. And I was in, I was in San Diego. I'm like, well, maybe like (laughs) maybe i need to see if i can get a flight and they're like wait we thought you lived in salt lake and i'm like well i do but i'm in vacation i'm on vacation in san diego and uh i was like in the parking lot of sea world with my family (laughs) getting ready to go spend the day in sea world and listen kids here's 20
3: bucks go go see Shamu, and like i'll be back
0: tomorrow (laughs) yeah exactly i would have too but the HR gal, she's like, you know what? We can just schedule this for next week. No problem. When you get back, you know, we'll, we'll call you back. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, no problem. I says, okay, but don't hire anybody. (laughs) So she probably hung up the phone and told the HR manager, I think we can hire this guy for like 10 bucks an hour. Yeah.
3: He's, he's ready to work right now. It's funny.
0: Um, So anyway, yeah, I got back, went in had to interview, got an offer. And, uh, and, still here 18 years later man. and what
1: was That's the awesome. position at the time jeremy it was i assume it wasn't for marketing director right? no no, no
0: it was in supply chain i was a, I was a buyer i was in purchasing yeah yeah oh wow And uh, i did that for about a year year and a half and the director of marketing at the time he he like grabbed me one day and he's like hey man why don't you come work in marketing he was like being all sneaky about it, you know, and I'm like marketing. I don't even know. This looks just looks like you guys read magazines and watch videos all day. Like he's like, exactly I mean, I don't even know what you do. <laughs> I'm like right now, like I'm working like I'm I mean, I am busy. Like my day goes fast. I'm contributing to the company. And he's like, he's like, Jeremy, this is marketing at Hoyt. Like, <laughs> stop for a minute and think about this. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um. He, anyway, he's like, I promise you, you will, you will be busy. You will love it. You'll never look back. And so, sure enough, man, I'm still in marketing. The rest I'm is history.
1: Who was the uh, who was this previous marketing director at Hoyt that pulled you in?
0: Yeah, his name was Mike Looper. Mike Looper. Yeah. He still around? Yeah, he's uh, he's lives here in Salt Lake. He's not. He doesn't work at Hoyt anymore, but he's still around. Those that kind of know him know what he's. You know, he's in the industry, but. Very yeah, cool,
1: man. You ever call him for for advice for old time's sake?
0: <coughs> Excuse me, um, not for advice, but we 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 stay in touch. We've got you know a lot in common, and we catch up from time to time. Make sure everybody's family's doing well mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that's
3: nuts, man. It, it's funny when you um, you know, and that's it, that's kind of the cool thing about the industry, right? I mean, if you can you know get into a job. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it was basically like i'm i'm excited when i get up for work and like go there and i just like can't fathom people that get up and go to work and like hate it because you do oh, it yeah. so often like how how can you force yourself day after day year after year to like get up and go to a job that you spend whatever 60 plus percent of your life at and be like yeah i hate this <laughs>
0: would that be miserable? That's like, terrible, man. I know, man. We're so lucky. Like It is work and it is busy. And, yep. and, and, you know, they do. I don't know. It seems like everyone I know in our industry is overworked, right? Mm-hmm. I think we get taken advantage of a little bit because we're passionate about it. Sure. And our companies know we'll put up with it. Mm-hmm. And they know we don't mind because we're passionate about the brand and the lifestyle and our customers. And So I think we do, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe people outside our industry get worked to the bone just the same but it, it seems like we're willing to put up with it because we're passionate about it and we that's love
1: interesting it. yeah i've never had heard anybody come out and actually say that that's definitely happened. that's definitely,
3: happens. <laughs> it's, it, it, that's that definitely is, happens man because you you are you you know you do enjoy you enjoy the the lifestyle so much that you're willing to put up with some of that stuff and that's it i mean i tell people all the time because they're like man i wish i could like be in the hunting industry and i was like dude i'm stressed every day of my life like it's just it is a constant thing so like when i get time to like not have to do that stuff like it's really nice to take advantage of it um but i think to your point earlier like just because we're in the industry, like all a lot of the people who hunt but aren't in the industry will say, "Well, man, like you, you probably just hunt whenever you want." And I was like, "Dude, I hunt a lot less now than I used to hunt."
1: Well, there's a you sure, know? there's a fine yeah. fine line, or almost like a facade of like you know people want to hunt for a living. Like who hasn't thought yeah. that, you know? And then at some point, there's a realization of like, first of all, that's not a real thing, <laughs> you know. And and the people that are as close to doing that as it gets, you know. I don't know. Maybe that's not as good as it, as it yeah. seems, you know, at least I, I, you know, we got close enough to kind and nothing against any of these sure. guys. Some of these are partners of Hoyt, you know, these are, yeah. you know, people that are perceived as hunting for, for a living, you know, and I think even they've had to acknowledge like, man, it, it's not that. They're you know? on the I mean, road
3: it, for 70 plus days a year. You have to you find know? a
1: way to separate, you know, business and pleasure, or if the two are intertwined, like, you know, ha- have a way to still enjoy it and, and separate yep. business from pleasure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure yep
3: when you um so the one thing that i i think is cool and and (laughs) one of the bow shops jared and i go to um is like it seems like your dealers just i don't know they just really appreciate working with the company and and like there's definitely other manufacturers who are are really in tune with that independent dealer side of things but there's been a lot of manufacturers who have gone you know big box essentially you know and and I think that it, it it's funny and it's not knocked to the big box companies, but it's like, dude, I would I don't think I could ever take my bow to one of those guys and like know that they were actually taking care of me well, or doing you know what you they, know better well, but and then I think a lot of people don't and so I think that when you know when people walk into um you know a bow dealership and they they're actually talking to those people across the counter. Like they're getting the real deal of like okay these guys actually care it's kind of like our level but just at a different level right they're still industry people in fact most of those bow techs don't hunt like at all because they're you know they're busy people yeah, are still right. getting their I mean, bows prepped october
1: 1st for the opener tomorrow um i mean those are your grassroots you know mark that's jeremy's grassroots marketing is yep. the dealers yep.
0: yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah no we do have a you know a, a unique i don't know if it's unique but it feels like it's a unique sales uh, model or distribution model where we are in pro shops only you know i mean i guess it's maybe similar to a high-end golf brand golf mm-hmm. you know and people ask me all the time like why aren't you in you know such and such box store or why don't you sell online and man at the end of the day a bow for a lot of people is one of the most complicated things to set up right? It's, it's more complicated than any other piece of sporting goods equipment I can think of. Mm-hmm. It's just, every one of us is going to set our bow up different. Peep height is going to be different. Poundage, draw length, you know, and then you got to make sure your arrows are tuned in your bow and spined right? I mean, there's just so many levels of setting up a bow. Um, and we, and, and because, you know, we're, we're a high-end brand, I mean, you can pay a lot of money when you buy a Hoyt. You, you get what you pay for, but if you take that bow home, You know, and and that didn't get set up right, you might not realize it didn't get set up right. You're just having a bad experience with the product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, (laughs) you just spend all this money on a Hoyt, you go home, it doesn't shoot well, you never get good at it because it's not tuned right, you have a bad experience, and in your mind, that's a Hoyt experience. But we know it's because no one set it up the right way. And so because of that is why we have the model we have where it's pro shop only, Being in the pro shop is the best chance you have of getting your bow set up right, um, in our opinion, right? And so at box stores or online sales, the bow shows up to your house in a box, and, man, you don't even have an arrow rest for it, let alone D loop material and a peep and thread to tie the peep in. I mean, and so that experience is just going to be, you know, tough for you. Um, But that's why we love our dealers, man. They do a great job. They get it they're good at what they do they're good at tuning bows and setting bows up and and 100%. so you leave the shop and your bow is tuned ready to go and, and you have a great archery experience so
1: yeah so critical yeah. man I, I want to give them a shout out I guess since since you brought them up it's it's the I don't know how hands are you on with the dealers Jeremy but ultimate outdoors in uh Holiday Park Pennsylvania mm-hmm. is okay where right on it's uh Tim and Jason run that place and I've been going there since I was uh my very first bow you know mm-hmm. when I when I was 10 or 12 years old and uh, I've moved several times since, and uh, I've been closer to other, you know, Hoyt, Hoyt dealers and other bow mm-hmm. shops and stuff, but like, dude, I just can't, I have so much faith in those guys, you know, and I put so much, yeah. uh, it's so important that, mm-hmm. that my bow is set up right, you know, and, and that Jeremy's bow is, and that my dad's is, that's why I tell all you guys about yep. it. And, you know, my dad drives two hours from, from his his house to go see Tim and Jason, I drive an hour and 15 minutes at this point, but I make a point of getting there like twice, twice a year, mm-hmm. you know, and even though... You know, we're getting our bows straight from you guys at this point. You know, and I, you know, I feel bad not giving them the business and buying a bow from them, so I Mm. I pay them extra. You know, because I know they're. Mm-hmm. they're giving me a super so, yeah, buy my service.
3: accessories from them even though maybe i could get them cheaper somewhere else yeah. or something like
1: that or go down and we do the 3d shoot or the techno hunt down yeah. there so anyways I, i've had an yeah. amazing experience with that if anybody's looking for a bow shop I, I do recommend them and if you have interactions with with ultimate outdoors you tell them yeah they're good dude tell, so, them, tell yeah. them i had a good interaction with them and those guys are friends well, that's, of mine
0: that's good to hear because we we i mean it's it's the right model for us but it's also a little stressful sometimes because we're putting our brand in someone else's hand, right? The, yeah. the, uh, the final user experience for the consumer is happening at the dealer. And if that dealer is having a bad day or that dealer for some reason is, you know, not on board with our brand at the moment or whatever, you know, they can reflect on our brand, to the consumer. And so, so we put a lot of trust in them to hopefully, you know, treat the consumers right and represent our brand right. And it sounds like your particular dealer does a great job of that.
3: They yeah. do. For sure, man. So, Jeremy, I know one thing, um, we talked about it last year and kind of as we opened this up, obviously, kind of supply chain has been, you know, the bugaboo for everybody, right? And figuring it out. And, and you guys, obviously, you know, typically flagship models are around that that carbon technology. How have you guys, I guess, looked at that from last year to this year? And then uh, do you anticipate having issues and, and you know, I, I guess bringing in that dealer side of it? You know, because those guys obviously depend on being able to get bows from you guys to be able to then sell to the customer side. So, I guess I'm just interested to see like what you're what you're kind of seeing on the on the end rolling into 22 after what seemed to be like a you know a hard 21 for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely you know supply chain issues are still real. I mean, not not only in our industry but everywhere. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I was. I needed our uh, stove. Broke right before Thanksgiving, right? I went ran down to Lowe's thinking I would just bring a stove home. No. Or an oven. And and they were like, yeah, we get that for you in three weeks. I'm like, what? yes Three weeks. So, you know, and and it's it's the same in autos, it's this automobile industry. I mean, everyone's struggling with it right now. And so it's gonna continue to be a challenge. Um, you know, in just everybody's lead times have gotten longer and and it mm-hmm. just gets passed down. And so, you know, it takes longer for us to get materials and raw you know raw materials to build bows so then it takes us longer to get the bows built and get them to our dealer but um we're we are so far in 2022 we're in a lot better shape than we were in most of 2021. so it feels like things are getting better they're not perfect by any means but um but they are better you know and so our lead times are a lot shorter right now Mm -hmm. than they were last year at this time cool so i think uh things are improving you know but it's it's going to continue to be a challenge and you know, who knows all the unrest going on in the world right now, if that's going to add anything. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I was just reading an article. This doesn't have to do with Bose. But, you know, the auto industry's already been struggling. And now I guess the the uh, Russia is the largest world provider of the material that goes into catalytic converters, mm-hmm. Palladium or something like that. And so there was this article saying that it could get worse before it gets better in automobiles um
3: they're already stealing that shit at my boat ramp so now that it's going to go through the, the roof boat. yeah <laughs> right they the, put, no the yeah, co- they catalytic converters ramps. it's like a real thing like it, you you park your boat at the boat ramp right and like these thieves will come in and climb under your vehicle and cut that catalytic converter out and it's worth big bucks wow yeah. it's like a major thing <laughs> now i live. Yeah, just uh yeah
0: if i pulled up our local news station right now that one of the first stories is a like, a uh, man arrested at the salt lake airport for cutting off catalytic conversion <laughs> huh. so yeah. um anyway the point is you know there, there's there's still a lot of unknowns in the world and supply chain it is it's man still gonna be continue to be you know a, a struggle oh. um, but we're delivering really well right now i mean if you want a, a torex or a venom pro those are being built almost immediately awesome so, I mean, carbon bows there's there's because of we have really high demand on carbon right now, the RX seven mm-hmm. is a phenomenal bow, and so there's there's higher demand than normal for that bow. We got a lot of orders, but then carbon continues to be a struggle yep. on the supply chain side. But with that said, we like I said, we're our lead times are months shorter than they were last time. Very last cool. year at this time. So
3: we had some pretty good conversations over the last few podcasts, <clears throat> just talking about hunter numbers and stuff. Um, you know, I think Hoyt as a brand probably is driving demand in terms of just people recognizing and continue to recognize like the quality of the brand and the product. Um, I guess, number one, did you guys see uh, a spike in like 2020, 2021 with demand in like COVID? Um, I guess yeah. let's ask that first. Yeah,
0: big time. It was it was great early in 2020. If you think back like March, April of yep. 2020 and and the pandemic hit and everybody had to, you know businesses were forced to close yep. and boy I mean if you think about we just talked about who our dealers are right they're these independent shops mm-hmm. they're they're not big corporations that could you know weather the storm by being closed down for weeks at a time they didn't have this big pot of cash to sit on I mean it's just regular guys like us that don't yep. and so you know we were way nervous like holy smokes what's gonna happen I mean if, if this closure continues yeah that's your point you guys, of sale i mean will they be it, able to right will they be able to reopen um luckily it didn't last too long and then luckily everybody was like well if i can't do anything if i can't go anywhere i can go outside i can go outdoors i'm gonna go back i'm gonna get back into hunting or i'm gonna try hunting or i want to get a bow i can shoot my backyard and so yeah at first it was like way stressful and then it just then it just took off like wow. everybody wanted a bow um <clears throat> and you know tag numbers were up and States were selling out of tags and, you know, all our favorite hunting spots had twice as many people as we were used to seeing. And this is true. So, um, but yeah, so it was great for business and it still is. I mean, we're still feeling that today. People still have a high interest in the outdoors and want to go hunting and, and, uh, whether that's just to, you know, to get outdoors or whether it's to fill their freezer. <clears throat> I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know all the reasons that it's sure it's hiking or, or, you know, that we're enjoying it. High demand but uh, but yeah it's been good the last couple of years really good
1: we had an interesting conversation jeremy uh just last week with brian burns burhans mm-hmm. burns who is the uh, director of the pennsylvania game commission uh oh, okay we covered a lot of different topics but 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 one of them uh you know was spurred by our mm-hmm. and it sounds like your shared observation of a lot of people on public land bow hunting uh you know or hunting yeah. during the, the, the bow the archery season in mm-hmm. <laughs> one kind of one <laughs> one of like the really interesting things that we we came away from that podcast, knowing that I, at least I didn't know beforehand, was that at least in the state of Pennsylvania, crossbows are technically and legally considered the same thing as vertical bows and as traditional bows by statutory law, by statutory law. They're all considered yep. archery tackle. And so the game commission, uh, even if they wanted to, would have no jurisdiction to say like, well, once you get a separate season or, or however they would want to delegate that can't happen. It's the same thing. So I'm curious as the marketing director at Hoyt, you know what they're not obviously, right? <laughs> like that's my, that's my stance. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So you're asking me my opinion on crossbows? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hit around that sure. LA. <laughs> way. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think, personally, I would love to see crossbows have their own season. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that would be healthy for the archery industry mm-hmm. because, you know, right now, there's a lot of guys, like like us guys right here on this podcast, probably most of your listeners, like we're diehard archery bow hunters, probably, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we or we're diehard hunters and whatever our style um but i think there's a lot of hunters they just need a tool to fill their tag whether that's a bow a crossbow or gun it don't matter whatever season's going on what's the what's the easiest tool for me to go use and and shoot something Mm -hmm. so if an archery season is is uh you know you can use a vertical bow or a crossbow a lot of guys will just choose a crossbow because it is easier i mean you you know it's you look through the scope and you hold it like a gun and you shoot the arrow and, and you got it you know and so um and so you know i think that's affected the vertical bow cells over the past few years because crossbow is just a, a little bit easier tool to go sure. for a tag if that's what you're looking for interesting if you're a bow hunter and you love bow hunting and you love shooting your bow and you love going to 3d shoots and that's just who you are it's your mm-hmm. life then the crossbow isn't of interest you know you don't care about it you don't want one you'd rather have your bow and you know, and that's how I am. Yeah. Um, so I think if, if crossbows had their own season, a lot of guys would then have a vertical bow for vertical bow season, archery season, they'd have a crossbow for crossbow season. They're going to have a shotgun or a muzzle loader for yep. firearm season. Yep. And so that's my, I think my only hang up is that crossbows are allowed during archery season. Yeah. I think they need their own season and, um, you know other than that you know i don't have a problem with crossbows I and mean, they they've come a long way they're actually pretty cool so those, those crossbows are, are right out you know they're legit but yeah. um but i just don't like them during archery season
3: has yeah. it ever come up in a hoyt discussion if you guys should make one
0: oh yeah all the time all the time <laughs> and, and where have those conversations led? <clears throat> um all I mean, the time. <laughs> it, I it's never probably gotten out of the boardroom. Are you? Are, you, are, I mean? so are like, you the
1: one shutting it down?
0: No, no. It's it's like all of us here are are big time bow hunters. Like yeah. we're we're not interested in the crossbow, and so we ask ourselves, like, yeah, we're probably leaving money on the table. But would any of us be passionate about designing mm-hmm. this, building it, marketing it, selling it? You know, and um and then uh, I mean, some of your listeners that. Are waiting six to eight weeks to get their vertical bow from us. They're like, yeah, don't add anything else to that factory. Yeah. Yeah. Just get me my bow, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. It's uh you know, and then I don't know, there's a warranty rates with crossbows are way high because you basically it's basically a dry fire every time. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> you got a hundred and eighty pound bow and you're shooting a, a lighter arrow than you shoot out of your compound. Yeah. I mean it's it's a dry fire every time. So components wear out and you got a lot of warranty issues and it's just, we just haven't wanted to, we just haven't wanted to go there, haven't needed to. I
3: think it's refreshing, man. And it, it, that's no knock to any company that, that is in that space, but, you know, it comes down to it's just not who you guys are, you know? And again, it's it's acknowledgement that there's nothing wrong with Crossroads. They have They have their place, but for you guys, in terms of going back to that passion of coming to work and really, you know, being involved and invested in what you do... You know yeah i'm sure you are leaving because i guarantee if if hoyt will put a crossbow out people would buy the hell out of it and they're like yeah, it's a oh, Hoyt yeah. crossbow you know but it's it's just
1: not who you guys are as a brand and i think that, that that's respectable i think it would weaken the brand significantly too though like if you know it's just me personally and i realize as like a, a vertical bow so wait till you're like 70 and you can't pull a bow <laughs> you're, your age you mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well dude we've had a lot of interesting it's interesting to hear you know your take on you know thinking that maybe it's affected bow sales even because you know yeah that's a great point well we've been speculating you know like where are all these crossbow kites coming from i don't it doesn't seem like there's very many vertical bow guys being like, Oh, I want to shoot a crossbow now unless, you know, they have an injury. Sure. That definitely happens. age Injury. Yes. It's it seems to be more on the side of like, you know, gun guys. New new or rifle, yeah, shotgun slug guys that are like, Hey, I want to take advantage of this full season. Like I wanna hunt the rut or I want meat in my freezer in October. You know, that are like, Hey, I want to get into this season, but I don't have time to practice with a mm-hmm. with a, you know, a traditional or a you know, even right. a compound bow. So well, I mean, I, I go back to, since it was so long ago,
3: just a refresher. Yeah, by Richard. the way, like, I don't
1: actually think you guys are old. So.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll hold it to you. But no, when, like, when I grew up, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there were crossbows, but like, they weren't nearly as popular as they were. So like, I started with a recurve, mm-hmm. you know, and then moved up to a compound after that. But like, my kids start with a, you know, and they're starting a lot younger than I was, but they're starting with a crossbow because it's easy, they can't be lethal with a a vertical compound bow and they're not at that age yet. So it's a great entry point for them, but with the understanding, and I think this is where we get in arguments with people that listen to this, Jeremy, but it's like, I want them to evolve. So it's like, cool, you know, go enter the hunting phase and, and harvest a few deer and, and get happy and be successful. And then the next challenge is pick up a vertical bow and try to kill one with a compound bow, you know, when you're whatever, 11, 12, 13 years old. And it's just because you need to evolve as a hunter, right? And eventually, you'll find that to where, like, you love that and you realize, like, that's all you want to do. Um, and it's, there's a lot of people that are just, I think, to your point of, it was a really good uh, mark there on, they're just looking for the tool to fill a tag. If I was looking to do that, yeah, I'd, I'd hunt Gun. a rifle way rifle. more than that, and I'd probably hunt with a crossbow. I'm looking at it as like, I just want that extreme up close personal experience. And even if I don't tag out, it was still freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, everyone's, I guess the most important thing is hunters. We all kind of need to stick together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's enough, there's enough groups trying to attack us If we're attacking each other, then that's, you know, not good for anybody. So I guess I, I just want to make sure everyone understands. I I'm not against crossbows. Sure. Yeah. You asked my opinion on, you know, on them. And my opinion is they should have their own season so that, you know, um, vertical bow companies can still sell bows to people who want to hunt during archery season. I think that's a great point, man.
3: I didn't even think about that. And the fact that like, if it was a separate season, you didn't think about that? Well, no, no, no. Uh, Yeah. I I thought about a separate season, but that they could then purchase a vertical bow
1: in addition to the crossbow versus
3: I'm going to just shoot a crossbow.
1: Well, see, I'm not the director of, uh, I didn't make that statutory legislation, but like I would make it so that the most difficult weapon to kill an animal with would would uh, have the longest season. Well, it would even be, it would overlap all of the seasons. And so, mm-hmm. so like, yeah, you know, yeah. so guys that have heard us say, you know, crossbows are, are, you know, simpler to take on, uh, you know, easier to, to kill with um you know they would say well then why don't you go shoot, shoot a traditional bow you know and yes great question yeah. 100 percent. you're right like and, and yeah. if it you know if you were going to hold me to my words and say traditional archer should have its own season that starts before compound i would say you're right i would yeah. say you're 100 well, percent right said,
3: man if they said if they said hey listen instead of october 1st for bow season for vertical bow season it's going to be november 15th but if you shoot a recurve from october 1st to november 15th it's legal I'd be
1: shooting a recurve. Yeah, dude, the length, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> the point is I would too, if I could hunt earlier, I yeah. would, if I could hunt and, you know, starting in July, August with a slingshot, I would, <laughs> I would do it. You yeah. Know, the, the length of the season needs to be, in my yeah. opinion, tied to the lethality of, of the, <clears throat> of the weapon.
3: Well, and there, and I don't know about all states, but you know um, especially in the gun hunting community, there, there's a lot of uproar on that. They, they don't like the archery hunting community right because they say instantly well you guys have two and a half months i get two weeks you know or whatever it is or it's over the counter and i've got to draw and it's like well yeah dude because it's way more lethal with the weapon you're using
1: like it's just clear
0: yeah yeah seems clear <laughs> yeah it the, does
1: they're hard conversations to have jeremy there's then,
0: it's tough though because if you try to talk to the you know the fish and game i mean they just have they just have a deer problem Yes. Like, why would I? Why would I do something that makes it harder for people to go out and kill a deer? Like, we got too many deer right now. We're trying. Hundred percent. Trying to manage inventory here, so they're not necessarily interested in that idea either. And so I, I like anyway. that he
1: said it that way. That it's just easy to to kill deer. Like, yeah. In the same way that I would be for that traditional archery season. I, I, generally speaking, like if there was a side of politics as it relates to like hunting, I would forever be on the side of making these animals harder harder to kill yeah mm-hmm. I mean it, but the because of the other
3: stakeholders in the legislative sure. I get sl- legislative process it'll never be that way because the farmers will complain the auto insurance companies will complain sure. and da-da-da-da-da.
1: yeah well and even in this conversation it's like it's hard not to sound like an elitist or sound like we're against people who hunt with crossbows like mm-hmm. we're not at all I have a lot of great friends that hunt mm-hmm. with crossbows and I'm not against them you know and even though it might hurt their, it might hurt your feelings I don't know like I am against the fact that it's been legislated that it is the same weapon because i believe Agreed. that it is not
3: yeah i agree uh jeremy switch subjects just slightly but because you're in utah and it's been on my radar for a while uh you guys have a proposed law to ban trail cameras right
1: now
0: yeah it just passed
1: it did see that i think that's yeah, so <clears throat> from
0: july july 31st to january 31st it's against the law to use trail cameras for hunting
3: wow on private and
1: public
0: yeah well
1: holy shnikey. how do you feel about that what's that how do you feel about that
0: oh it's i personally don't like it Don't like i mean it, the hunting community is kind of split down the middle on it mm-hmm. but personally i don't like it you know i i don't know it, it started out with um you know being a being a proposed law for um cellular cameras you know that, yep. that can send a picture and, yep. That was I was probably okay with not having cellular cameras during hunting season I can see the reasoning behind that um, but uh, I don't know personally you know I, I don't have a problem with using cameras during hunting season I think it should be allowed.
1: Oh I didn't necessarily realize it was all cameras. All. All. And is there a justification for that I mean you probably know more about the issue than we do it was privacy yeah, it was, they a lot of the, they lean on the privacy thing a lot in terms of like if you put these
3: on public land somewhere that you might get somebody hiking and it violates their privacy and bro you well, want to talk about privacy
0: the, the law is only around hunting That's so you can't cool. use a trail camera for hunting but
3: That's if i'm monitoring sure. my uh cattle water hole for my cows yeah. or if this corn pile is for squirrels
1: exclusively
0: <laughs> yeah or or yeah exactly if you're but but for a non-hunter if they for some reason they just like catching images of wildlife they can no use problem. it they can put their camera
3: that's crazy man
0: and and i get so, it
3: i get the cellular stuff too although i'm like a complete nut on it like and it's just because i don't have enough time to go out and check 25 cameras or multiple states like i i love cellular cameras for that aspect that it gives me some of my time back i get it in terms of you know people abusing it to the fact that there is no skill in like actually patterning the deer whatever but the fact that like, there, I think people immediately say, oh, you use trail, trail cameras, that's cheating. It's like, dude, you go out and put a trail camera somewhere unless you're putting it over a bait pile and then try to get deer or elk or whatever pattern in front of it. There's still a lot of skill in that placement of that camera.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, in Utah, it's it's a hot topic right now. And the, and the Division of Wildlife has said they're going to revisit it, try and clean it up a little bit. Because right now the, the rule, like I said, it's only around hunting so how do you prove that a camera out there is mm-hmm. for somebody hunting or not hunting um and then i don't know so they are going to try and clean that up and revisit it i think they were a little hasty when they implemented it and i'd start and it, uh it wasn't coming from like the wildlife board it was coming from a state legislature yep issue and you know so somebody was lobbying and someone got it. A state representative to try and push it through, and the wildlife board had to react before it became. They they reacted to make it a wildlife policy before it became a state law because then it's a lot harder to to go and fix it, you know. And yep. so
3: that's your super agency because it's it's all <laughs> under the one. Yeah, yeah. talking yeah. about different agency structures yeah. last week. I would right. uh, I'd be putting out a bunch of trail cameras for Sasquatch research pretty damn quick. <laughs> exactly. yeah. like i don't know what you're talking about this is
1: clearly to catch a sasquatch it is it is interesting like i've never been posed with the issue of like if trail cameras were banned like and what, it's happening what fast for, man
3: like, what arizona just went down this year
0: i think yeah um, i think arizona and montana nevada have, nevada have similar montana was either talking about it or did it i'm not sure but
1: i well, do see it and like um, and i don't i'm not gonna disagree with you jeremy like obviously i'm we're southwestern pennsylvania but like in the spirit with what i was just saying there, like I tend to think I would be okay with that. Like, yeah, I would be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Like, I use a lot of cellular trailer cameras. That's a huge advantage. I've, the past three bucks I've killed have gotten their pictures taken, like, as I was shooting them. But I love big, mature, whitetail bucks, and I want them to have the best chance to get old. Mm-hmm. And if that puts me at a disadvantage, and every, along with everybody else, like...
3: It would be interesting. I mean, because I don't think... It's an assumption, right? Right now is that if you're using trail cameras or cellular trail cameras, if we take it to the next level, that more animals are being harvested because of them. Are
1: they 100%? We don't know that. I do. Personally, cell cameras kill deer. I'll tell you that right now.
3: Maybe. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense logically, but, like, there's no data to support it. There's observational to say, well, I saw that buck yet this morning there. I went in this afternoon, and I killed him.
1: Okay, but be real with me. Do you think that cell cameras kill deer? Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm, just, uh, I'm trying to be unbiased here. yeah sure I'm to yeah be but we all know here. the truth so let's uh, pretend well, like, we it's don't.
3: Just, like okay. I, I don't know i mean it's easy maybe for us whitetail guys like if jeremy's sitting in the office and he's got a cell camera up on a mountain on a public sure. area different seven, beast and you see a bull elk come through you know can you leave your desk and get there and still kill him probably not maybe <laughs> depends yeah. how fast you drive Most likely not
0: you know yeah. some of the and it might seem really weird to you know, so many listeners are like what's the deal with that, you know, with cameras, but if you out here in the West, you know, we have, I mean, it's just so dry, right? So any water hole is going to have a camera on it and a water hole in a good area is probably gonna have 10 or 12 cameras on it. Um, so at weird. Least, right. And so, and, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm for or against this. I'm just explaining some of the reasoning or some of the arguments, for banning the cameras um but anyway so some of their some of the thought behind banning it is that if there's 10 or 12 cameras on a waterhole and so guys are coming in you know if they come in once a week or twice a week you know you maybe you've got 20 or 30 trips into that waterhole over a few day period so when do the animals kind of get their chance to go to the water you know and so again until you've been out here and you've seen how dry it is and you see one water hole that just gets pounded with every animal within you know five miles and but now all of a sudden you got 15 guys coming in two or three times a week and just disturbing them you know the animals are like man when is it safe to go get water so that's one of the arguments of why they say we're going to do this um is, is that real than- jeremy
1: you're saying there's like 10 12 cameras are you is that an exaggeration or literally no
0: no that's not an exaggeration on some not, not every water hole.
1: but like on a hot water hole on pub- in southern utah land.
0: for example southern utah where this there's a premium unit called the pontagon and it takes a lot of points to draw it. there's giant deer down there there's a lot of outfitters work in that area if you draw you know draw a tag every outfitter is gonna get a hold of you and ask if they if you want to use our services anyway so there's a bunch of cameras bunch of cameras on these water holes down there um, and so you get guys, you know, blocking each other's cameras and covering them up Wow, or, or stealing their cards out of them. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, is, but is
3: that the same area of Utah that a lot of the mule deer will move down into the Kaibab? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Similar,
0: similar country, similar country. Yep.
3: Cause that's what, what I'd done some work on the Kaibab in, in Arizona <clears throat> and they would talk about like, these migrations, I guess, of, of muleys yeah. moving from Southern Utah into the Kaibab. And I mean, they were giants, giants, yep. Yeah, so. but you, yeah, it was once in a lifetime draws. And then you'd see some 13 year old kid. He's like, yeah, it's the first year I put in and I drew and I'm like,
0: what the hell? <laughs>
1: Want to be yeah, my kid? So.
0: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, hopefully they get that game camera law sorted out a little bit. I mean, there's gotta be a, a middle ground. I feel, you know? Yeah. So. Well,
3: it'll be per, part of the argument of there's no data. It'll be interesting to see if they do ban that in the next several years, you know, is there a change in harvest success rates or something? I I would assume that it affects Western, um, Western hunting less than it affects whitetail hunting in the Midwest and East, just because again, not that it's easier, but like if you can, if you're in them or you're around water and they're there, you're probably going to be a good chance out West. Whereas Pattern in a whitetail in Iowa or Kansas that's coming up and down a a, you know creek bed crossing a thousand acres, without that camera, that's a shot in the dark. Say that again. I'm just saying that I think it would affect harvest in East for whitetails more than it would in the West for big game
1: having no trail cameras. I don't know, dude. It sounds like what he's saying is like that they're real tied to those water holes. Like that's well, yeah, but you don't need a camera for that. You, if that water sure. hole is there they're probably sure. there yeah i guess so. i see what you're saying at least my thought i projects. don't know man yeah that's it's it's interesting yeah uh, <laughs> how yeah. many how many trail cameras you run in a given season or jeremy
0: i don't run very many i have a couple out and we have some family property so mine's up by our cabin and we've got a water hole and so i've never actually killed a deer off that water hole though you know <laughs> um so we between me and my you know i've got two boys that are in their early 20s and between all of us we probably have four or five trail cameras is it
3: yeah
0: Um, and there's other guys though that that live and die by them you know Mm -hmm. there's guys that might have 20 or 30 up there um i've got a, a buddy he's an outfitter and he probably has i think he said he has well over 100 cameras out for elk i bet and he's got them patterned so good like and he's an outfitter so he knows their pattern and then he knows where he needs to have his hunters and so he kills a lot of early season bulls when most people are waiting for the rut he's killing them early because he's got them patterned you hmm. know and so yeah. for someone like him this is way impactful like this sure. is this changes his business changes his livelihood um hmm. so and some people might say good
1: right good he's sure should be able
0: to, it's an unfair advantage and you know i don't have time to go run all those cameras and i don't have money to buy all those cameras and so in their mind, that's you know they're fine with this ban, sure. but you know other people who put in the work and understand it's not easy. I mean, they work hard, they hike a lot of miles, you know, they got a lot of money invested in cameras. So in their mind, it's like, man, I've, I'm willing to do this. I should be able to do it, but other people are like, well, I can't do it, so you shouldn't be able to do it. Mm. It's just kind of turned into a little bit of a fight. But
1: hmm. yeah, we can see that there's going to be parties affected by sure. By either decision yeah no i
3: get it I, I i really get it on the on the public lands the private lands one's a little bit squirrely on me because now you're telling me what i can and can't do on my own my own property and well
1: they man we, we've had some interesting because they already are like i know can't, you can't go shoot two bucks on it i know it's your your property but if i want to <laughs> put a
3: if i want to put a camera up i should be able to put a camera up
1: i agree Technically, it's legal
3: um yeah, Jeremy, I know we're kind of running short on time here. One thing I, I did want to cover just because I think it came and and tell me if it didn't, maybe it didn't come from your mind, but <clears throat> I think it was really um, cool when we started to see Hoyt back guys like um, Winky and Midwest Whitetail and some of these kind of like early digital stage shows, which really, you know, broke the mold. And and even like a Cam Haynes who isn't like a traditional TV guy, um, you know, that, you would normally see sponsorships happening around a network. Um, I guess number one, was that kind of your brainchild and then uh, curious, just to like what you were thinking when those kind of opportunities came around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Winky brought this idea to me, I mean, it was way new for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, film a hunt today and you're gonna show it tomorrow. Like, (laughs) Um, and uh, but I, but I was – I mean, everything Bill Winky does, he's been successful at, you know, and he's just um, – he's just a hard worker, and he, he has a great vision for things. So, yeah, when he approached me with that idea, I'm like, yeah, 100%, man. I'm on board. Like, this is going to be awesome. And and it just blew up. Like, if you think about during the rut, you know, and Winky's putting out videos of what happened yesterday – Mm -hmm. and you guys were out in the stand yesterday and you're like same thing happened to me it just turned off it got so slow yesterday or dude same thing with me man the rut was it was a peak yesterday they were bucks chasing everywhere you know and so you can relate with what he's just putting out you know compared to traditional tv it's like i'm watching this episode right now that might have happened eight months ago 12 months ago 15 months ago and so it's just it's just entertainment at that point it's it doesn't feel real to you it does nothing you can relate to um but with his model where you know he's out hunting today and he's he's going through that footage tonight or in the morning and posting it tomorrow or the next day i mean it's so almost real time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um and then to be able to have it digitally too like you know he was at his first he's on his website and then he went to youtube and then he went to um you know, Roku and Amazon. I mean, he just he just was making it available, and you could watch it anywhere, and um and that was awesome because not everyone has Outdoor Channel or Sports sure. Channel. And if you don't, then where do you get your content? And when he when he started that, there wasn't a lot of content on the internet on YouTube. Now there's tons of hunting content on YouTube, and you can you can get your fix of watching hunting without having to have the Outdoor Channel or something. But yeah, Winky's model was was awesome, and he worked hard. I mean, if you think about what that is, like you're up early in the morning hunting, and then you're hunting even late in the evening, and you get back to the house, and it's, you know, 9 o'clock, and then you got to start editing footage and putting an episode together and then putting it up the next day. I mean, there was nothing easy about that, you know, no. but uh, but that model was successful, really successful. Now, there's quite a few other, you know, other youtubers or whatever you want to say you know other hunting groups doing that and it's a great way to get content you know and it's being consumed at at a higher rate so um yeah i, I was i love being part of that and we still are you know main sponsor of midwest whitetail
3: i think it was just it you know you kind of use that relatable term and and i think that's kind of really what maybe even reintroduced me to Hoyt in the two thousands from like knowing Horton and in the nineties when like I started hunting and stuff, um, was that like you started embracing guys like that and, and really it probably gave you guys a hell of a lot more content than most brands were used to because like this guy's putting out Hoyt content, you know, every other day at the, at the you know, least. And meanwhile, these other guys are waiting for 13 episodes to air. And then get the rights to those like six months later to do something yeah. with them yeah
0: yeah it's just a completely different model completely different way of thinking about it and like i said bill was as far as i know kind of the first maybe he wasn't the first to do it but he's the first to be really successful at it and um, now there's a lot of a lot of guys doing it and producing a ton of content and working hard to, to keep it kind of real time and you know almost live and it's kind of cool.
3: So with your, uh, your exclusions on elk hunting and stuff, or, um, I guess just your excursions on elk hunting, I meant, uh, have you gone out with, uh, Cam and Joe at all out West?
0: No, no, I haven't, um, not hunting with those guys. I was, they hunt in Utah, uh, almost every year. And we went up there to camp one, you know, for, for a day and just got photos and had dinner and kind of hung out. But, I haven't hunted. haven't hunted with them. Um, I've hunted with Waddell here last yeah. year. He came out of Utah. Yeah, We hunted, we hunted Utah together. Um, but, uh, you know, I, have hunted with Ralph and Vicki. I've hunted with a few others, but for the most part, like, like I said, when I go hunting, it's my vacation and I'm like, I'm hunting with my, my family or my good buddies, you know, yeah. I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of industry hunts like you'd think I do. I just hunting season's short and days, you know, days off are limited. So yeah it oh, is no, short. I, just, I like hunting with my family.
3: Well, I think it probably gives you that, and uh, in, in Jared and I talk about this all the time. And it's something that I try to be really careful with, which is hunting means so much to me personally. And because it's also work that I have to make sure somehow I tease them apart. And so, you know, I would think that if you did like, let's say you used all your vacation time to exclusively hunt with Hoyt partners, how do you separate the two? Right, You know, yeah, they're yeah. one in the same, basically. Every dinner, mm-hmm. even though you may have had a great hunt, at some point during dinner, business is going to come up, you know? Whereas it w- with your kids and
1: your family, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, you're just hunting. Well, yeah. dude, yeah. there's such a different thing, too, because, like, <clears throat> you know— use your example of to go out and hunt with, you know, Cam and Joe, like those are essentially business relationships through Hoyt, you know, think about us sitting in Kansas camp in our underwear, drinking Miller high life. Like you can't do that with a, you know, just even a business acquaintance, like you you can, you know, you'd like to get to that point, but it's like, dude, we are comfortable and we are enjoying it. And that's, that's what hunting is. You know, that's what, that's what the camp should be anyway. So.
3: Well, I think yeah. that's it, it. It also comes back, and I, I guess this kind of all ties together. Is like we've tried to really get to the bottom of like, I don't know, as an industry professional, do you feel pressure for success or for for something to I don't want to say justify, but you know, to to perform essentially because you're in this role. And and Jared and I, you know, there's definitely times that I could say, yeah, I don't feel like it. You know, I'm just going out and hunting with the kids or whatever. But there's other times where it's like. You know, you feel a little bit of pressure to like, you know, I really want to be able to say like, Hey, I, you know, I was successful at this because people are listening to this show or, you know, they're, they're looking at Hoyt and saying, here's Jeremy Eldridge, you know, director of marketing at Hoyt, like how many, how many 400 inch bulls has he killed?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know. I, there probably is that pressure. I don't feel it a lot. And I think it's because, because I do keep it separate. Right. I don't have a Hoyt camera guy with me or, we're not trying to get content for Hoyt because then it's different. Like, man, we got to get something killed. Yes. We need pictures. We need content. Yes, You know? So then there's that pressure. And and I do have some of those hunts once in a while, you know, I mean, we do, we do that. We, we, if we're going hunting, Hey, let's bring the camera guy and get some, some photos, whatever. Um, so I do have a few industry hunts now and then, but for most of my hunts, they're personal hunts. So I don't have that pressure. It's like, it's no more pressure than anybody else. Like, yeah, I want to get a pitch, I want to fill my tag, and want to have that experience, and want to be successful. But it's, but I don't feel any added pressure just because of my position at Hoy. You know, um, it's just I don't know. I haven't put that on myself. I'm sure some, I'm sure people feel it in our industry, and and they have that, but uh, I haven't worried too much about it.
3: I think a lot of people feel it, man, and I think you're probably lucky that you you have that mindset. Um, because I bet there's a lot of people that wish that they, they could, and they just, for whatever reason they can't, you know, and it's just, it's gotta be an awful feeling because you love it so much, you know, and that you really just want to be out there and, and hunt and enjoy it and be out there. But ultimately, like if there's always that looming pressure, like it sucks out the reason you're doing it. Well, well, dude, there. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like we have a, um, kind of our campaign this year is around the thought of this is freedom. Yeah. If if you've seen that, you know, on our website or our ads, whatever, but you know, we were just trying, we were brainstorming like, man, what's our, what what can our message be? You know, like what, what will be true for everybody? And it's around this idea of like, as bow hunters, like we probably understand the, 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 the idea behind going hunting and feeling freedom better than anybody else. Right. Like, it's that idea of when I don't answer my phone, I don't have service. Like to me, that's freedom, you know? And it's just being out there, uh, whether it's in the tree stand or in the back country, man, the feeling you have out there, just, just being outdoors, going hunting, the pursuit, hoping to see a big buck or a bull, I'm like there is no greater feeling of freedom for me than that right there, you know? And so if I put this pressure on myself, like, man, I work at Hoyt, I've got to kill. I've got to fill my tag. All of a sudden, it becomes stressful and Mm -hmm. you know and disappointing if I don't fill my tag. Rather than come home like just feeling great because I just had this awesome week in the woods, whether I filled my tag or I didn't, you know. And so, I think I don't know. I just I just have I've worked here a long time, and I and and you can get a little bit sideways in that space, like where it just becomes a job. And I purposely have tried not to let that happen, like. I love hunting. If I didn't work at Hoyt, I would probably hunt more, to you guys' point, because I wouldn't be so busy. Yeah. I would hunt just as much if I didn't work at Hoyt as I do if I worked at Hoyt, because hunting to me isn't about Hoyt or my job. It's about, like, what I love to do. It's about who I am. And so, you know, it's about having that freedom out in the woods. And, you know, when you're out there, like, your phone's not ringing, you're not watching the news, you are not it's no vaccinations, it's no masks, it's no... Russia attacking Ukraine it's like yep. you're just out in the woods man and it's just it's you're just enjoying yourself and just freedom from all all the worldly worries you know and so um so I haven't yeah I've just worked hard to not let it be an issue like I'm going hunting no matter what so yeah doesn't matter
3: <laughs> Well,
1: love dude, it. And, <clears throat> yeah I love it too and it, man it's it's so easy to slip into like it literally happens as fast as hey we should film a hunting show oh we need to kill th- you know you gotta have 13 episodes <laughs> yeah. oh i'm stressed like you know all of a sudden it's a job it's like it, a... it happens that easy we've seen it happen to people mm-hmm. you know and it's it, it's too bad dude even last year jeremy i think we, we you know set out to to film some of those not necessarily 13 we knew that wasn't realistic we're like hey let's take a, a different format let's mm-hmm. do a short film you know format and like dude immediately i think we felt that pressure of like hey we need to we, kill, kill. we need to kill something on this trip like yeah. Not, yeah. and it's just a it's a kind of a dirty feeling a little bit well,
3: and it yeah. wipes the whole season because you get to October 1 and you know or November 1 and you're like holy shit like we don't have enough like we don't have anything or we have got very little and it's like now what do you do you know do you lower your standards just to kill and it's just it's a weird place that you don't want to get into so yeah well, listen, Jeremy, we appreciate it, man. I know you got to jump on another call here. Um, but again, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some stuff with us about Hoyt and, and, you know, just your background. It's, it's really cool, man, because I do think that, you know, what you guys are doing, I, lo- I love the freedom aspect of it that you just talked about, because that, that truly is why we do it. And we've kind of put this podcast out there to, you know, let get to the root of like why everybody hunts, because we all do it for different reasons and, um, You know, but I think that there is a commonality there, which is, you know, some sort of freedom within your own self, right? Which is like, that's why you do it. Um, You know, it's it's your escape from this and everything else, like you said, that's going on in the world. And, you know, that's why COVID was, you know, a blessing and a curse. And that, you know, you see a lot of people be able to reconnect with the outdoors because there was nothing else. Like when a world that's so connected gets shut down, what's still there? It's the outdoors. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. But anyways, man. Yeah. We, we really appreciate it. We appreciate Hoyt's uh, support of us as well here. And um, yeah, we'll have to catch up with you later this fall when you get back from uh, one of your off-grid excursions.
0: (laughs) For sure. Let's do it. All right,
3: Jeremy. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks guys. Awesome. So, you know, I think that the, the cool thing is, and, and I, you know it's it's good to hear it from jeremy directly but you know i i've heard several times from people that like it, it was funny you brought up a that like kind of disconnect that he does but like it's because he truly has found an ability i mean the guy's been in the industry for 18 years at hoyt he can do church and state he can say this is when i'm i'm jeremy at hoyt this is what i have to do this is the business side of me and then he could say, "Yeah, but I'm really working at Hoyt because I love the hunt, and now I'm completely
1: disconnected from the industry side." Well, <clears throat> I pointed out because, you know, I I'm the same. I do the same thing, mm-hmm. and I don't say that because like, oh, you know, Jeremy and I have that ability to to do that. No, not at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm freaking busy. Trust me, mm-hmm. but. I, it's, I said, you know, it's because I think everybody has that ability, you know, and frankly owes it to themselves. Sure, you know, and it's not like you can just and say, "Hey, boss, you know, I'm taking the next two weeks off." You know, mm-hmm. it, whether you like it, yeah. Or but it. I'm my own boss most of the time.
3: Sure, and I still can't do well, it. well. So
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Case in point is like, dude, live live your life, you know, or or execute it in a way that you're able to prioritize things mm-hmm. that are important to you. Whether it's a week in the woods, you know, elk hunting or. Uh, whatever it is um you know make sure you 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 prioritize it and set up your work life and your family life so that you have the freedom to do Mm -hmm. it yeah no i think it's a good point it in different stages of life for us for me
3: it was probably don't have kids (laughs) well that's what i was gonna say four years ago or so three years ago so it was when uh when carter killed his first deer um I don't know, just running businesses and stuff was stressful. And at some point I looked at him and he was seven or eight at the time. You're like, um, who's kid is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? How'd you get that big? No. But I looked at him and I'm like, holy shit, like he's seven years old. And I like, haven't like, he's been in the woods, but like, I haven't put the effort into like, Hey man, do you want to hunt? And like, I'll teach you. Let me get like, let's get involved. And so like, cause I remember even going home and it was funny. It's how I knew I was too wrapped up in work is I came home early at like two o'clock one day and I was like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna set up the target and stuff. I'm gonna teach Harlan to shoot, or teach Carter to shoot his crossbow. And like, we're gonna get ready to go hunting here in two or three weeks. And she was like, you have time for that? And it was like, ding. And it was like, yeah, I'm done with that. I can't do that. Like I, I still can be as productive as possible and work as hard, but like there is a time frame that has to be carved out to like introduce these kids to what I love so much, which is hunting or like, why the hell am I working so hard to begin with? Yeah. You know, and I think everybody has that kind of aha moment, you know, of, of like, you get so wrapped in something and you, you are working or you are doing it for a reason, but then all of a sudden something in the peripheral catches your eye and you're like, oh shit, that's the real important thing. And life's short, man. Goes fast. So you know, I think that you know, if you're listening to this, and and I love that Jeremy's able to do it. And frankly, I don't know how because like we aren't the director of marketing for Hoyt Archery, which and like you know, I feel like I would be hunting with this guy and this guy and this guy. Like I feel obligated or something. He just shuts it off, and he's like, "Nope, I'm just gonna gonna hunt with my kids and my family, and we're just we're just gonna have fun doing that, and then I'll come back to work and." We'll we'll get back on that track.
1: Yeah. And that's
3: a a skill that people don't look at. And I I think it's an admirable skill if you would look at inside of this industry, especially. Yeah. To be able to shut it off. Because you know it as best as I do. Walk around, maybe not ATA this year, but like 2019 ATA show or 20, I guess it was. Walk around that show and look at how many people are exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like just exhausted because they just went and went and went and went for 70 80 90 days during september 1 to january 1st Mm -hmm. and they're just spent and it's like i don't admire that yeah you know good for you and if that's how you want to make your life that's awesome that's a tough way to make a living and probably not enjoy what you thought you were going to do which is hunt
1: yeah, yeah. I was gonna quote Napoleon Dynamite there and say "Follow your heart." That's what I do. <laughs> hmm. But I think kind of in regards to maybe I didn't speak up soon enough. But like, yeah, dude, Jeremy just realizes that he likes hunting with his family, or you know, whatever those hunts are that he goes on. You know, I, don't, I mean, to put words in his mouth, but but you and I think do the same thing. So yeah. it's like, you know, we know what we like. You know, mm-hmm. I like our trip to Kansas that, and we don't film it. You know, it's which is why um, we stopped filming hunter hunter shows yep. we get this question all the time they're like where's this show and it's like <laughs> it doesn't exist <laughs> yeah yeah there's these things that i just you know we we love and so instead of seeking opportunities that maybe we could it's like hey you know if we really pursued you know bill Winkett, we could go maybe hunt with bill like maybe mm-hmm. he would grace us with his breath you know we could go have some sure. of these opportunities but it's like you know i don't know yeah it's like se- it's se- separation of like what what your what your mind and what your pursuit of like a career in the industry would tell you and a pursuit of like what your heart is telling you, which is like this is what I love and this. Well, what I knows,
3: right? and I think that's the thing is like <clears throat> there's a there's an eagerness about it to say, well, yes, I would love to go h- hunt with Bill and I will. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I, I would. At the same time. You have changed the reason why you're hunting. Again, kind of the point of this yeah. podcast is like I'm not going to hunt with Bill because I'm going to hunt a majestic whitetail or be in the woods and stuff. I'm going to hunt with Bill because it's it'd be a cool thing to hunt with Bill Winky or Jeff Sturgis or Don Higgins or whoever it might be. It it changes the the mindset versus us sitting around in our underwear drinking Miller Highlights and, you know, watching the hunting public on YouTube and yeah. laughing hysterically. And there's, like, the next morning, we all wake up, and most of the time it's like, cool, where are you going? I'll go here, you're go you going back there, cool. Like, there's just no, doesn't have to be forced coordination where our entire lives are forced into some sort of calendar, usually guided by this stupid thing. And this is our chance to not have that. You know, it's just kind of like, cool, yeah, I might go and hunt down
1: here because I didn't see shit up here last time. Great, go do it. Yeah. You know? It's a hard conversation to box, too, because, like, you know, I I don't want to just shouldn't stray away from opportunities either. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, I would generally say like, Hey, don't, you know, hunt with people like that. Obviously no, not, no. you know, but just, you know, just, just, it goes back to the, you know,
3: do you want, and you can have a mixture of both, but do you want the deer camp atmosphere, which is camaraderie and fun and hopefully success? Or do you want the TV show mindset of it, which is basically you're out there trying to perform for purely success? I don't think, yeah well there's
1: that extreme end of it too but that's
3: the show side i mean right you're you're not gonna go out and say hey jared let's make a tv show and not kill a damn deer nobody's gonna watch that we've we've talked about it That's one of the reasons that we stopped doing the hunter side on a tv end is it's like dude we had a great adventure in north and south dakota for what seven days it's cool as shit we didn't kill anything there's only so many of those episodes you could put together before people are like damn, these guys don't kill anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not maybe because of skill as much as it is you sacrifice a lot of your aggressiveness or techniques because you're filming. There's a guy with you. There's two guys trying to sneak up on one deer in a grasslands. Like there's a, there's a lot of things that fall into that. Um, And I think it's an interesting uh, take on it because we, you know, we see guys who really, I think, enjoy it and they do it Right. Um, you know, but we also see, I think a lot of people who are doing it purely because
1: to Jeremy's point, they need a tool to kill and that's it. Dude, isn't it weird? That, I mean, not weird, but you remember those like, uh, when self-filming was like, a, oh. like the craze and it did was it like a the lot thing? of it guys that come to mind would be Matthew solo cam for yep. sure. Yep. I think a lot of the like bow hunter die, you know, type of guys. I think rising did a lot too. Okay. When it was like dream season
3: stuff, they usually had a team, but yeah. they would individually film a lot.
1: Yeah. Mat- Matthew Solo Camp really stands out to me as them being like, my passion is for filming my hunts. And like, I don't maybe at the time I was like, yeah, me too. Like, that's mm-hmm. something that's, I'm interested in that. But yeah. like on the other side, it's <clears throat> like, I'm not interested in that at all. Like, I'm interested in hunting.
3: I went through a a pretty strong phase of that in high school. And, I, dude, I filmed, we filmed everything, every hunt we did. And, I mean, some of them now watching back of them are freaking hilarious. Yeah. Oh, sure. Like, shooting at deer, going across a golf course or whatever. Like, it's just, they're funny. And, like, some of them were successful, but, like, you know most of the successful ones were like i shot a button buck or something you know yeah, yeah. but it, it's just like that's what we did is because it was cool to like make our own show and i'm glad i have those you know and, and some of the bucks that one i haven't the liver buck over here i did like some of those ones i self-filmed Well, dude
1: that was during that time yeah and
3: i love it it was cool to be able to be like yeah i filmed this I'm like go back to like you and my dad and be like you guys weren't here but like here check it out this is out um
1: there's no doubt it is cool
3: And there's still an ounce of me because I went through that, that wants to do it. But dude, even like um, the one I filmed in Kansas, not this past year, the year before, you know, I was so pissed by the time I got to that stand because I had just lugged all of that damn gear in. I put all the camera arms up. I put everything up and I'm just sweating. And I'm like, this is the
1: stupidest thing to do what? To get a shitty film because I'm trying to film myself. Well yeah, I mean, dude, that that's why I guess I, I kind of think it's interesting is that like for us it's an inconvenience. You know, it's yeah, it's super cool to have it on film and we would love to have that obviously. Mm-hmm. That it's a, it's a really cool uh piece of memory. I'm sure we'll try it again. That's some point. But like there was legitimately a class of guys that were like this is why this is I why do I it. Don't... Like I'm this is the reason like we're fit we're filming this.
3: And they wanted to be a TV guy, whether they tell you that or not. They may say, well, no, 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 that's not, no, no, no. The only reason you filmed is because you wanted to get sponsorships and be a TV hunting man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to up and just call anybody out for that, but it does seem like that culture was kind of like groomed by, yeah, by that. 100%. It It
3: absolutely was. I mean, I know in the back of my head, not obviously the caliber of animals I was filming, but I was filming to make a show at that time was just because I was in high school and college, but, like, at some point would be to be a TV hunting guy and get sponsored. Mm. Why the hell else would you film it? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's kind of, and, and I take that as a, uh, a little bit of a, a, you know, 180 from uh, probably since, eh, I don't know if it was in the, yeah, it was probably late 80s. Um, my uncles would film our deer camp every year uh, on old school like VHS and stuff. So like maybe I think the first one I have, I got them all burned on like DVDs and stuff. it's really cool. Like 86 or 87 through mid to late 90s. <coughs> every year we have we had a deer camp film. And so Thanksgiving evening, we usually left for deer camp Friday and we'd be there till Monday or Tuesday. Thanksgiving evening after dinner and stuff, all the guys would be in the room. We would watch the old, Hunting videos, we didn't make those to have a TV show. We made those because that was back in the day of family videos, right? Mm. How many people now make family videos?
1: Yeah, none. Nobody. Isn't Nobody. Crazy? Does. Yeah, dude, that's so bizarre. Yeah, Doesn't I remember like my mom. Yeah, always would have the camera in her face, like we film anything. Like because like, you
3: do- you wanted to document those memories and stuff. Now I, they live here. Yeah thing's a dangerous piece of equipment for sure
1: i thought uh yeah i don't know i like i was just flipping through instagram whatever i saw this video of like uh it was dwayne the rock johnson Mm -hmm. like just pulling up on a crowd of like people on like open top bus and like within seconds like it was just instant reflex everybody pulls their phone it's the first thing yeah that's
3: our documentation yeah think about it
1: when's the last time you saw anybody make a family film Well, whether it's a family film or recording with your phone, like I just think it's so bizarre that that's your first instinct, record this scenario. Well, but it used to be you only – Because I would just be like, Dwayne, what's up, dude?
3: It used to be you only filmed those like events or milestones, like graduations, birthdays, holidays. To remember, yeah. Yep. Now it's like uh, probably every day I take at least one picture with my phone, I would assume.
1: Oh, yeah. At least one every day. Well, and it's a tool; it's a valuable tool. Like you need pictures of certain things, but like I, yeah. I think it can be fueled by like it, whether you know it or not. I'm going to post this to social media, or I'm going to share this on my. Well, Snapchat I did this today?
3: Or, I was like, I was going back through, and I'm like, when did I find my first shed? The last couple
1: of years, and it's just like scroll, scroll. an scroll, example, scroll, example of a good tool. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, and it's like, so it is it it's is like useful. You found new no sheds. <laughs> it ah. is
1: useful, man. That's just like just like anything. It's a complicated world, you know. There's valuable tools mm-hmm. that can have some significant consequences if you don't. Um, yeah yeah
3: it's interesting but no we appreciate jeremy coming on and and kind of going through that with us um kind of cool story to see how he like ended up at or started at hoyt and like she's pretty straightforward saw an ad in the newspaper
1: took it to him in person got the job that's what you call you know commitment came under the wing of uh, the old marketing director and he's been here for 18 years it's awesome very cool well um it is march 1st so if you
3: haven't yet you should probably think about going out and shed hunting wherever you're at For order, ordering your hoyt <laughs> Yep, ordering your hoyt as well uh those rx7s or the venom pros i think are the new aluminum uh you guys will be ahead of
1: us i think we're going to shoot the rx5s again this year
3: probably just because yep they're set up and ready to rock we can yep um yeah we'll see we'll talk to jeremy and see what he wants to do and then yeah shed hunting uh, if you're going to get any perennials in the ground, you got the next 60 days probably to do that. Um, if you're going to do any TSI, March is a great time for that tree planting in March and April. Lots of great things coming up and, you um, trim your
1: apple trees. You're almost already too late.
3: Yeah. You're Which about I done. am. So, uh, you're listening to this. It will be what? March one week from today, right? 7th. Yep. If I do the math? 7th race. Um, and so the next podcast you'll hear is with Mr. Sam Soholt. Uh, we'll have Sir. coming on the podcast and and talking about there. There's a guy who came from a the pubic, Bill Winkie Public Land Bus Talk. Yep, the Bill Winkie <laughs> intern days to where he is now. That's how he came through. Isn't a funny dude? What if we, a pipeline if, if, if man!
1: If we, if we drew like a family tree, like how many of them would get back to Bill? Uh, Bill would be the mighty white oak. Yeah, the mighty white oak. <laughs> <laughs> we should make him a shirt for
3: that. <laughs> He'd like that. It's just his face on it and like Aaron and all the, and Sam and all these guys as the yeah, I the like deep that. roots. I like that. So anyways, we appreciate you listening to episode sixty four with Jeremy Eldridge of Hoyt, and we will see you next time. Later.
2: me